Welcome to this week's sermon from Ambleco Christian Centre. It's my pleasure this morning to finish off our Nehemiah series. Um, and I hope that you have uh, enjoyed it. I hope you've learned something as we've gone through it. And I hope that the Lord has spoken to you um, through some of the messages that we've given. And today I'm going to pick things up towards the end of chapter 12 and just take us through to the end of the book. So uh, that's too much text to read the whole thing. Uh, so I'll just read one section from that passage and a few other quotes as we go. And for that reason, uh, you may want to have a Bible with you as I talk so you can sort of see where I am and you can see uh, the bits that I'm sort of not reading um, so you can hopefully kind of make sense of it. And the other thing I'd encourage you to do is, uh, you know, hopefully by now you'll have read through the whole book of Nehemiah um, once or twice as we've gone through the series. But whether you've done that or not, and uh, especially if you haven't, I would encourage you after today in the week ahead to read through the whole book at some point and if you can in one sitting to read through the whole book in one sitting I think it's a great thing to do after we've done a teaching series because uh, I think it helps what we've learned to sink in but also helps the various threads from the different sermons over the weeks to be drawn together for you in your mind uh, and to kind of get the grasp of the flow of the book as a whole and it's a good way to sort of finish off a series so I'll leave that with you guys to do over the coming week or two. Today we're going to pick things up from verse 27 of chapter 12. The walls have been rebuilt and uh, we've read through the book the various challenges that Nehemiah and the people faced in order to do that but now we come to the point where the rebuilt walls can be dedicated to the Lord so uh, I'll read from verse 27 and I'll, uh, I'll let you know when I kind of skip on a bit. So verse 27 says this, And of, at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgivings, and with singing, with cymbals, harps, and lyres. And the sons of the singers gathered together from the districts surrounding Jerusalem and from the villages of the Netophathites, also from Beth Gilgal and from the region of Geba and Asmaveth. For the singers had built for themselves villages around Jerusalem and the priests and the Levites purified themselves and they purified the people and the gates and the walls. Then I brought the leaders of Judah up onto the wall and appointed two great choirs that gave thanks. And I'm going to skip on here a little bit because Nehemiah just goes to give a lot of details about the choirs and where he put them and what they were all doing. And we'll pick things up again at verse 40. Verse 40, so both choirs of those who gave thanks stood in the house of God. And moving on again, and the singers sang with Jezrehiah as their leader. And verse 43, they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced, for God made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children also rejoiced, and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. And in many ways, that seems to be a fitting finale to the book. Uh, Nehemiah and the people celebrate. The walls have been built. They've been dedicated. A massive choir is drawn together. All the kind of 
different bits of Levitical worship that was contained in the Old Testament law are happening and the joy of Jerusalem is heard far away and we would imagine perhaps that a good full stop might come then and we would move on to the next book of the Bible. But actually what we see is that um, after this point where in many ways they had finished the building that God had called them to do, the building of the walls, we then have another kind of whole chapter of the book And what's going on in there? Well, I'm going to sort of summarise what goes on in the last chapter of the book, and then we're going to reflect a little bit on that together. So after the dedication of the walls, we then go on to read about three problems that Nehemiah has to confront. The first problem is that the people weren't giving uh, their tithes, their offerings, um, and therefore the worship of God was being undermined. The second problem is that the people weren't keeping the Sabbath. And the third problem is that the people were continuing to intermarry with the nations around them, the non-Israelite nations around them. So we'll take each of those in turn and explore kind of what's going on there and then reflect a bit on what that might have to teach us. So first then, we learn um, that the people had not been giving and were not giving their tithes and their offerings as the law commanded them to do. Um, And their law, which is now in our Old Testament, had a whole series of ways that the people were meant to give. There was a first tithe, a second tithe. There was even a third tithe that kind of happened every three years, as well as various first fruits and Thanksgiving offerings. And all in all, we can kind of estimate that the people were meant to give Uh, sort of around about 23 to 25% of their produce every year um, in accordance with the law. And uh, that wasn't happening. And moreover, not only was that not happening, but there were some rooms in the temple that were set aside to kind of store this produce because most of this wouldn't be given in money. Most of it would be given in, you know, crops and the things that people actually grew and produced. So the temple had some rooms to store uh, some of that produce from around Jerusalem. And um, those rooms weren't being used as store rooms because there was no offerings to put in them. But some of the nobles were using these rooms as their own personal kind of luxurious accommodation. You sort of might want to think um, ancient penthouse suite style approach to using some of these rooms in the temple. And um, so rather than giving to God, giving to God and, and using the temple in the proper way, the people were failing to give and were using the temple for their own kind of luxury. And the main problem with this is that these tithes and offerings, the primary use of these gifts was to support the Levites. And the Levites were the tribe of Israel that was set aside to um, organise and to offer and administrate and carry out the worship and rituals and sacrifices Um, that the Israelites were commanded to do to worship God. And, you know, before Jesus, back under the old covenant, this was the right and proper way that the nation was to worship God. And the Levites were set aside to do this and they were provided for by the gifts of the other people. So when the people weren't giving, that worship wasn't able to happen because the Levites, rather than doing that, they had to go and farm. They had to go and grow crops themselves otherwise they would starve so Nehemiah kind of sums this up in chapter 13 verse 10 he says this I also found out that the portions of the Levites had not been given to them so that the Levites and the singers who did the work had fled each to his own field 
So I confronted the officials and I said, why is the house of God forsaken? So the people didn't give and the house of God, the worship of God was forsaken. So Nehemiah has to sort that out. That's the first thing he has to sort out. The second problem is that the people aren't keeping the Sabbath as a day of rest. And again, he sort of particularly points the finger at the nobles and the merchants who were trading on the Sabbath. Um, and, uh, you know, those with more perhaps were seeking to increase their profits and their means on the Sabbath. So rather than to express their trust in God and their trust in God's ability to provide by resting on the Sabbath, they were trading on it. And Nehemiah has to sort this out, just like the tithes, really, kind of material gain was running the show rather than the proper worship of God. And then the final problem uh, was that the people were intermarrying with the nations around them. And of the three, this is maybe the one that if we're more unfamiliar with the Old Testament, um, we might find a bit odd, like why would that be a problem to marry people from other nations? And the reason is, again, as, as we read in the text in Nehemiah 13, that the law forbid them to marry the peoples around them because in marrying the people around them, uh, it would lead the Israelites to worship other gods. So Nehemiah says this, he says, Did not Solomon, the king of Israel, sin on account of such women? Among the many nations, there was no king like him, and he was beloved by God, and God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, foreign women made even him to sin. Shall we then listen to you and do all this great evil and act treacherously against our God by marrying foreign women? So the purity of the people and the devotion of the people to God was undermined by marrying the nations around them. So Nehemiah's got to sort that out as well. So if we sort of step back for a minute from all of this, what's going on in the big picture? Now, Israel has been enslaved and exiled and has had to serve a foreign power. And we are seeing the beginnings of a return from exile, a return from exile of God liberating his people again. They're starting to come back to Jerusalem. Nehemiah has returned to build the walls. And the building of the walls of the city was an important part of helping the people to be free. Um, so it's a cause of celebration and joy when the walls are finished and dedicated. But immediately after this, we read about ways that the people of God are re-enslaving themselves, either re-enslaving themselves to money and to kind of that material gain, which was so much a part of the problem of Egypt that the Israelites came out of all those generations ago, um, or they're re-enslaving themselves to worship foreign gods by intermarrying with other women. And again, we know from the history of the people that when they start worshipping foreign gods, they again re-enter a state of slavery, really. So God's desperate to give his people their freedom and to restore them into freedom. And yet they are still falling back into being re-enslaved in these ways. And Nehemiah has to sort this out. So... What a kind of interesting way to finish the book of Nehemiah, to not finish with the celebration of the dedication of the walls, but to finish with Nehemiah then having to sort out these other things as well. And what might that teach us as we think about building faithfully in our context and seeing the kingdom of God built among us? So I'm going to suggest three things that we might learn from this. Two encouragements and one um, 
point where we might ask the Lord if he wants to convict us. So first of all, I think the first encouragement for us is this, that clearly the people of Israel were um, a bit of a mess. (laughs) In some ways, they had been obedient and faithful in the things that Nehemiah was trying to do and the walls had been rebuilt and all the stuff that we've looked at in the book. And in other ways, they're still being drawn away from the true worship of God. For every kind of step forward, there was normally at least one step back, two steps forward, one step back, one step forward, two steps back. It was like that all the time. And yet, this people were the object of God's love. And um, he chose to use them and he chose to continue to try and set them free. And I think that that's a great encouragement for us because when it's ex- our mess as a people is exposed, that in the midst of some ways that we're building faithfully, we find other ways that we're in a bit of a state and there's things that aren't right. We don't have to lose heart because God chooses to work with messy people and messy communities. Um, And when we are faithless, he remains faithful, as Paul says in the New Testament. He remains faithful. So I think that's an encouragement for us. It's a demonstration of God's grace uh, and of his power that he chooses to build his kingdom by working with imperfect people who make mistakes. So when we build together for God and under him, it's okay when our mess is exposed in the midst of that because that's always the way it is and God is okay working with a messy people. So the second thing I think we can take from the text is to think for a minute about the particular problems um, that Nehemiah confronts in this chapter and just ask the Lord really whether they're a problem for us as well, individually and as a community. Um, So first then this sort of temptation to be selfish to um, not give as we should. The Israelites weren't giving as they were should and they were working all hours to try and provide for themselves because they weren't really trusting God to provide for them. And these can be temptations for us as well, can't they? You know, are we, are we being obediently generous in the way that Jesus commands us? Um, are we also kind of working all hours to the detriment of our worship and to the detriment of our families because we are anxious to provide for ourselves rather than trusting God's um, power and grace to provide for us. A couple of years ago, we offered some teaching on what it means to follow Jesus with our money. Uh, And it may be that for you, if you are aware this is a problem for you, and we'll pause in a minute to give the Holy Spirit a chance to convict us, but if you're aware that this is a problem for you, maybe you, you've never really got around to doing in your actions what you know is necessary to uh, follow Jesus with your money, then I would suggest that you might want to revisit those podcasts. And if you go on our webpage, on our podcast page and search for money, just simply search for money, the series will come up and it's called Money Matters. And you might want to re-listen to those. Uh, For now, though, maybe we'll just take 30 seconds to pause and invite the Holy Spirit to convict us if this is an issue for us. So we'll do that now.
Okay. The second issue that Nehemiah had to confront was to do with the purity of God's people. And for us, because we live in the new covenant under Jesus, uh, marrying uh, foreign spouses is not a problem for us. So if Franke finds a nice English girl, he is permitted to marry her. <laughs> However, the issue of the purity of God's people is still important for us, isn't it? And for us, we, uh, we may not marry foreign spouses. That may not be a purity issue for us. But there are things that we do that undermine the, um, the well-being and the purity and the holiness of the people of God, aren't there? So uh, maybe we have relationships within our church family that are a bit toxic or where we know we are not behaving rightly, where we may be kind of gossiping or undermining or... Um, not honouring one another in the way we treat each other. Um, or maybe we are kind of complicit in allowing sin into our community in some way. And that can happen in all kinds of ways, can't it? And for us, that's a similar principle, really. Uh, what's our part in maintaining the purity of the people of God as we seek to build here? So again, we're just going to take 30 seconds, probably less than that, 20 seconds. And then I'll give you my sort of final thought on this passage so Lord if this is an issue for us again we invite you to convict us now And if on either of these things you felt the Holy Spirit convict you, then I just encourage you to um, confess and repent um, and also to make yourself accountable by telling someone else and they can help you to walk out in your actions the intentions of your heart. Finally then, the final thing I want to say about this passage is another encouragement for us. And um, that's this, that as we build faithfully, um, we will have to build with endurance. It seems that uh, building is essentially an endless task until Jesus comes again. You know, Nehemiah had accomplished the main job God had given him and the walls had been built. But he then still had to go on building the health of the people. And so too for us, I think, that um, there will always be the next thing to do. There'll always be the next mess to sort out. There will always be the next way that we seek to build um, as God's people. And at its worst, that can be demoralizing or depressing or very burdensome for us. But if we can accept this as the reality, then it can actually become a liberation for us because we can relieve ourselves of the pressure to somehow get to the end to finish all the building that ever needs to be done because it won't be finished until Jesus comes and finishes it himself. So as we build, we need to build with endurance, putting one step in front of another, following Jesus, obeying him, sorting out the things in our life, growing as a community. But we'll never finish that. And there's no pressure to finish that. There'll always be more building to do. So that can be an encouragement for us, I think, to build with endurance rather than constantly striving for a finishing line that's always moving 
just out of reach. If we can do that, relax into the grace of God, we will be able to build faithfully, I think. So I'm going to pray. And then the saints are going to lead us in some worship. And as ever, if you want to talk about anything I've said or anything that the team has shared through this series, do get in touch um, and we'd love to talk with you more about that. So Jesus, we lift up our hearts to you as individuals and also we lift our community to you. And we pray, Lord, that as we seek to build to be obedient to you, to do what you're calling us to do, that you would give us the grace of endurance, that we would keep going, and that um, when the next challenge comes around, we wouldn't be discouraged, but we would accept that in your grace, this is the way things are. And um, also, Lord, that you would relax us from the need to be perfect, again, as individuals or as a community, because you work with imperfect people. So, Lord, come and set us right in all these ways and where there's specific sin in us, help us to change, Lord. Help us to do something about it that we may be able to keep going day after day and week after week, following you. And that um, rather than slipping back into slavery in a hundred different ways, we would know increasing freedom and liberation as we live in your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Amboco Christian Centre. For more information about who we are, what we believe, and how you can get involved, check out our website, www.amblecochristiancentre.org.uk.